from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking Cyber Patriot. Uh, it's a cybersecurity team sport for students in middle school and high school. Um, at some point during uh, our conversation today, I'm going to stand up on a soapbox. So if uh, you, you want to hear me go on a little bit of a rant uh, about uh, how I think a, this should be a team sport in every middle school and high school out there, if you're funding a football program, and I, I understand this may get me thrown off the radio in Texas, if you're funding a football program, you need to be funding a Cyber Patriot program. Uh, we'll go into all sorts of reasons why. Uh, I'm joined uh, by uh, retired Brigadier General Bernie Scoach, uh, the Cyber Patriot Commissioner. Bernie, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Brett. Glad to be here. Always yeah. happy to be in San Antonio. Yeah, one of the uh, cities sending uh, three teams to the national finals. Yeah, and, and a team in a city that has spent, sent teams repeatedly to the national finals 16 times. And uh, that's that's not exceeded anywhere in the country. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things I, I love about this, we've got the three teams that are going uh, from San Antonio this year uh, that will have uh, competed, I guess, by the time this is uh, on the air, uh, are from all over town. We've got uh, one from Alamo Heights in the middle, one from uh, the Holmes High School, and one from Roosevelt. That's right. And uh, they represent a broad demographic, too, which is one of the things that makes us particularly pleased with the progress in San Antonio because it's not just a, a sport for the, the upper class. It's not just a sport for the alpha geeks. It's a sport for any student. Yeah. Uh, and this is, yeah, wonderful. And in both genders as well. This is, uh, I think, mean, one of the things that um, I played football as a kid. But, I mean, looking back at it now as an adult, uh, we the, the girls get to cheer for us. The boys get to go play and be the heroes. But that's not the case in Cyber Patriot. Well, it's interesting you should mention that, Brett. Uh, most uh, STEM programs in the nation are about 12% female representation. We've done some special things in Cyber Patriot, not the least of which is we waive fees for all girls teams, and we've driven that number up to 27% female representation. We're proud of that. Yeah, and I think as, as the program expands into middle school, we'll see um, even more growth on the, the female side of the participation as all the numbers um, I read and have had a congressman heard on the program that's been uh, trying to advance STEM for girls in middle school. Uh, and, and with that push for uh, STEM in middle school, um, hopefully we don't see the drop-off that we do right now. Because if you ask fifth-grade girls if they're interested in math and science, they say yes at the almost equivalent rate of, of boys. But that by the time you get to eighth grade, uh, that number has dropped way down. Well, that's pretty astute of you to, to observe, uh, Brett. And, and it's, it's almost a causative versus an effect uh, discussion because the reason we push down to middle school, we start off as a high school competition, but we discovered two facts that were disturbing very early on as we rolled this out nationally in 2010, and that's that by the time they reach high school, both, both female students and other underrepresented minorities, African-American students, Hispanic students, other uh, groups, uh, very often have opted out. So that's the reason we push down to middle school, and we're very happy with the progress we've seen there. That division has exploded faster than any other. Yeah. So... Uh, for folks that uh, have stuck with us through the first couple of minutes here and are wondering, okay, well, what is Cyber Patriot? How did this get started? So you mentioned 2010, so the it's been around for nine years now. Uh, can you help uh, share kind of some of that timeline and history for our listeners? 
Sure, Brett. And, and understand that we're part of this organization called the Air Force Association. And, and very often people confuse that with the United States Air Force. The fact is the Air Force Association came into being one year before the Air Force. And they have advocated, we have advocated as an association for strong national security. Our first act of advocacy was to advocate for the creation of a separate United States Air Force. And it was successful and the Air Force was born one year later. Well, we, uh, we, we address all elements of national security, and clearly one of them is the technical workforce. And in 2009, our board of directors was presented with a 2008 Congressional Research Service study that showed the United States was doing poorly in math and science. Uh, by this CRS study, again, 2008, we were 28th in math skills among 15-year-olds. We were 24th in science. We're 20th in the number of 24-year-olds who earn degrees in natural science or engineering. And our board of directors said, we got to do something. This is a now a national security issue. And San Antonio is, is no stranger to national security. And so we said, well, let's, we're the Air Force Association. Let's look at a rocketry competition. Let's look at an airplane competition. And someone in the back of the room, and we're not even sure who, said, well, what about this new cyber stuff? Why don't we do something about that? So we formed uh, this, this program, Cyber Patriot. Uh, in 2009 as a pilot program and a proof of concept. We started with eight teams of high school kids all in the state of Florida, and it's flourished since then. And we've done a couple things uh, since uh, the creation of the program. We uh, pushed down to middle schools, as I mentioned earlier, and then we said, well, why do we stop there? Let's, let's do something for elementary school students. And now, mind you, we're a national program. We're in all 50 states. We're in Canada. We're in UK. We're in Australia. We're in Korea. We're, we're all over the world where we have friendly relations with, uh, with other, other countries. And, uh, and we said, well, let's, let's do something for elementary school students. So we came out of all this worldwide population to San Antonio, Texas. We teamed with Dr. Greg White at the University of Texas at San Antonio, their Center for Infrastructure Assurance and Security. And we said, let's, let's develop some elementary school programs. So we've, we've done that. We've deployed it now to about 7,000 locations uh, nationwide uh, as a, our elementary school initiative. So we've got high school, we've got middle school, we've got elementary school. We published the first children's book uh, two years ago, a, a storybook, Sarah the Cyber Hero, so we could get to the pre-K audience. And then interestingly enough, two years ago, I was out for a run along the Potomac River in D.C., and my 94-year-old mother called me and said, Bernard, uh, there's a, a man from the bank on the phone, and he wants my user ID and password because he says there's something wrong with my account. Should I give it to him? And I said, we've got to do something about that. So, so we rolled out our senior citizen program, Cyber Generations, uh, just this past year, and it's exploding, including here in Texas. So the point is, we did this because we see it as a national security issue. Our overarching objective with students is to attract them to STEM, to science, technology, engineering, and math. But a, a, a wonderful byproduct is we're creating a cybersecurity talent pipeline that is feeding a lot of what's needed here in San Antonio. Yeah, so for any seniors out there listening uh, to this program right now, if you, you get a phone call from somebody as well, this is one of the common scams that's going on, especially in the San Antonio area right now, saying that your uh, your grandson or your granddaughter that maybe you haven't talked to very recently has been kidnapped and you need to wire money immediately via credit card payment for a ransom. They're sending you to a website. Uh, figure out how to find out if they're really kidnapped. Uh, call the authorities. Uh, this is not... If they are real kidnappers and they do want a real ransom, it's not just going to be the one phone call. They'll give you a way to get back in contact with them, but do not uh, pay that thousand uh, or five thousand dollar. We're seeing a lot of that out there. Ransom on that first phone call. Um, it's yeah terrible, and I appreciate uh, you guys working on the uh, the cybersecurity for seniors now to drive some of the awareness of these things because um, it's the combination of technology 
plus the social engineering that is creating a lot of these risks um, and where folks are um, unsure of how things work and they don't have that basic uh, awareness, uh, we end up with, with people uh, in tears. Well, and, and, and in tatters and, yeah. and, 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 and surrendering their financial resources to people who would do them ill. Uh, it, it, you, you nailed it, Brett. The, the issue is that we now have senior citizens, about 70% of them are online in some way or another, whether it's at the public library or they're at home browsing the web. And they're, they're innocents. Uh, they're, they're people who are trusting people. They're eager for contact. And so when people reach to them, they're far more vulnerable. So that's, that's why we're doing that program. Yeah, no, it's uh, wonderful to hear. So I'm looking at some of the stats from the, the yeah, press release about this national uh, finals this year. Uh, but So the teams, you guys have gone from, uh, from eight teams in 2010 to over 6,000 teams now? Yeah, it was eight teams in 2009, and, okay. and uh, this year we registered 6,387 teams all around the country. And, it, and San Antonio is leading the way, and I'm not at all ashamed to say that uh, – that no one does it better than San Antonio. It, it started several years ago. Chris Cook uh, is, is one of the, the mainstays of what, what began down here as a program uh, when he was with Bayer County and, uh, and working with the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, it's exploded in San Antonio. Now we high five and you, you know, we, we said, goodness gracious, we're over 6,000 teams around the country. Well, there are 40,000 high schools in America. Yeah. So there's plenty of work to be done. And as you led in to this discussion this, this morning, uh, it's, it's remarkable to me that you go to any school and it's got a high school basketball team, it's got a high school football team, it's got girls sports. Uh, we need to do more than 6,000 teams around this country. This is a national imperative. Yeah, and I mean, there's, as I, I'll do my, my rough math, I think there's roughly 30 teams in the NFL. They've got 100 positions on each of them, so that's 3,000 jobs. Uh, in the cybersecurity world, uh, there's more than 3,000 people working for the 24th or 25th Air Force here in San Antonio in cybersecurity. Uh, well, there, there are 300,000 jobs in cybersecurity worldwide right now that are unfilled. Yeah. 300,000. Those are just the vacant jobs. That, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. not people already working in that's, it. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and to your point, with respect to the, the, the metaphor of uh, this is a sport, 3% uh, of high school women's or men's high school, girls or boys high school basketball team members will make it to a college basketball team. 3% will make yeah. it to that. Of those, 1%. We'll make it to professional basketball. Yeah. So three percent of one percent is three out of ten thousand will yeah. find a job that pays money in that sport. Well, I can promise anyone who goes through our sport, who goes through Cyber Patriot, it's got negative unemployment. There are yeah. people begging for the talent that's being produced in San Antonio and elsewhere through the Cyber Patriot program. Yeah, and it's going to be that way uh, well into the future because not only does Cyber Patriot teach cybersecurity, but it teaches teamwork, problem solving, communication skills working on deadlines under stress and all of the things that you look at at every employer out there is listing as their top key requirements right now for filling positions and cyber patriot teaches all of those in addition to the tech skills well let's talk about that because that that's critical what we find and and we're we're proud that cyber patriot has had such success in san antonio and elsewhere but uh, let's talk about what is success and and, and how do you define it in this, this space uh, you can find in any basement or in any den in the United States of America where you've got a teenager and a computer, some student's face lit up by the screen in the middle of the night doing things. Uh, very often, they're doing things alone. Very often, they're sitting there in the dark and, and, and enjoying what the web offers them. But it's rare to find those students involved in team activities. Well, I promise you as well, if you go to talk to any employer, 
they're not looking for lone rangers, generally speaking. They're no. looking for people who can collaborate, who can do collaborative problem solving, who understand what leadership is, who understand what followership is, who understand what teamwork is, who understand the ethical principles that are behind team sports, that you do the right thing, that you support your colleagues. Those are things, and, and we take no credit for this. I think much of our success is serendipitous. We happen to hit on this formula. But it's those skills that you talk about, sometimes termed soft skills, the soft, the, the, the soft skills of leadership, of followership, of, of teamwork, of being able to communicate in a team environment, of being able to work in a, in a crisis together as a team. Those are things that are built into this thing called Cyber Patriot. Yeah. I know, and as you you're, um, mentioned, the uh, college – uh, participation scholarships and those sorts of things the basketball side um, I'm reminded so we had uh, Brent Thessler on from Hallmark uh, University here in San Antonio and uh, for listeners new to all of this there's also a collegiate level uh, competition now uh, and at Hallmark offers scholarships uh, for Cyber Patriot uh, players from the middle uh, from the high school level uh, to the university so they can compete uh, in that uh, university level competition if you wanted to uh, learn more about what they're doing at hallmark or the university level competition uh, check our archives out uh, on your favorite podcasting service or on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com but yeah there's there's college scholarship opportunities for uh, the kids playing cyber patriot and i think that we'll see this grow across the nation as that uh, collegiate level cyber cup uh, continues to grow and expand as a, a sport there well, in the national finals competition that we just held in Baltimore, we again awarded scholarships. We have now awarded nearly half a million dollars, $500,000 in scholarships through the generosity of uh, Northrop Grumman, through the generosity of NSA and others. Uh, but you're hitting on something key again, Brett, and that's the, the caliber of students we're seeing coming through this program. Uh, at the national finals competition that we just held, uh, we have a, a, a hallway that, that we profile some of our alumni and what they've gone on to do. Of course, I've reached the age where I cry at a Walmart grand opening, but as I walk <laughs> that hall, I, I, I see these profiles. We have uh, students who've gone on to Oxford. We've had multiple students who've gone on to military academies. We've had uh, Rhodes Scholars that have come through this program, and many of them, in, in their own words, and that's a, that, that, that you could read on that hall, uh, you can see them saying, this was the first time I was involved in a team sport. This was the first time I was under pressure in a team activity. So we're proud of those achievements, and they're driven by the coaches like we see in San Antonio and elsewhere throughout the nation. Yeah, and for, for those as well, um, just so to be clear, what's the cost of tuition at a military academy? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's, it's over a million dollars. Well, that, yeah, that's what the military pays to put you through school, but it costs the student zero. Zero dollars and zero cents. And, yes. And they're, they're compensated while they're there at the rank of an E5. Yeah, so you get, you get paid to go to college. So for, for parents out there listening as well, I mean, these are the kind of opportunities that are getting open. And for uh, teachers and school administrators out there listening to the program, these are the type of opportunities you're creating for you, the, the kids in your classrooms. Well, yeah, and let's be clear. Uh, less than half of the students that are involved in Cyber Patriot are in the junior ROTC programs or Civil Air Patrol. This is for all students. Yeah. And, and sometimes people make the unfortunate association that we're here to recruit students to the military. To be sure, about double the rate of, of, of military recruitment happens in Cyber Patriot. About 5% of our students go on. But 95% of our students have, uh, do not go on to a military career, and that's okay because this isn't a military problem or a government problem. This is a problem that cuts across every enterprise in the United yeah, States. Yeah, every industry, every everything. Yes, yeah. yes. No, for, for sure, yeah. I mean, and then, so we've got the examples of those I mean, military academies giving 
as they're going through their admission criteria, they're looking at Cyber Patriot along with a whole bunch of other they things. They are, and we are getting stories from these academies that uh, that want more information on the program because they've started factoring that in. And we look at a lot of higher education institutions and now graduate students that are going in, and they write to tell us, and they post something on our social media pages that says, you know, I think that the factor that helped me get over the top was that I had participated in a Cyber Patriot team. Yeah, and then we've got the, the private um, universities like Hallmark offering scholarships for their team already, and they've got a little bit more flexibility than some of the state schools. I mean, this is one for anyone out there in the NCAA or whatever else. So technically, I think the Collegiate Cyber Cup is not an NCAA sport, so I don't know that the state schools get to offer scholarships. It's so some of this uh, this bureaucracy um, drives me nuts out here as a, <laughs> a, a parent and a, as a uh, an advocate for uh, where the the world is headed from a sports and competition wise. Uh, I know there are some teams that are doing esports for the uh, the different um, uh, multiplayer uh, games where it's uh, the kind of sci-fi fantasy things. We're seeing some esports leagues pop up like that in universities, but right now it's a it's an intramural sport or intercollegiate. Uh, but it's not an official NCA sanctioned sport either. And I think as we continue to see these shifts uh, from fields uh, with where people have helmets on to places where they've got a headset on and a controller or a keyboard in their hand, um, I, we, we need to have that evolution at the, the school level to uh, encourage kids out there to participate in these sports because there is the, the growth of these future opportunities for them. Well, and, and you're hitting on something key, and that is this whole notion of sport and what defines a sport. Uh, you know, when we talk about the physical sports of football or basketball or track and field, you're looking at something that has physically demanding aspects to it. But I think the real essence of it is the competition it represents. And I think in our society, in our culture, most teenagers want to prove that they're better than that other teenager. For sure. Absolutely. And, and so uh, uh, Joe Sanchez and Sandy Boyd and Chris Cook are, are one of our first Cyber Patriot Centers of Excellence. They made a pass a few years ago at the Texas uh, Sporting Hall of Fame because San Antonio produced one of the very first national champions in, in Cyber Patriot. I don't know the, the status of that, but I think it's only fitting. Is it a sport? I think it absolutely is a sport because it embodies that, that spirit of competition. I want to prove that I can do this better than anyone else. And it's not just serendipity. It's I've got to practice. I've got to get smart. I've got to get good at this. I've got to be able to respond to unexpected challenges. That's what defines a sport. And as, as we watch the, the NCAA Final Four, it's not – the best team always wins. There are other elements in it, and that's what embodies competition. And I think we've got that essence in Cyber Patriot. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Maybe after the the break a little bit, we can dive into uh, some of how are the matches structured. What does it look like from a practice and play perspective to get some of our listeners out here uh, an overview? But I mean, yes, yeah, as, as I think through the criteria of sport. Um, are there different tactics and strategies that can be employed? Like you can have a running offense in football or a passing offense. You can do the, the same thing in Cyber Patriot. There's different ways to go execute, uh, different ways to break out and use the resources on your team. And uh, there's all, all sorts of things that constantly evolving um, in different strategies and, and the way teams, if you look at the teams that won the national finals a decade ago and put that team into the national finals now, I think the, the pace of the evolution of Cyber Patriot uh, is faster than the pace of the evolution of football or basketball or any of these other sports from a strategy perspective. Well, yeah, and, and, and if you'll indulge continuing this whole discussion of basketball and the comparisons yeah. of basketball, at, at its ultimate end, the purpose of basketball is to put a rubber ball through a big hoop. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about, and you've got a set of rules and a set of structures. 
that's not a particularly useful skill to society. I mean, there aren't a lot of hoops that are begging for basketballs to be stuffed in them up and down the streets of San Antonio or anywhere else. Yeah. But if you look at the sport of Cyber Patriot, the ultimate purpose, how you accrue points, is to find and fix vulnerabilities in networks. That's what it's all about. You are exactly right. There are different strategies. There are different operational arts that can be applied. There are different tactics that can be applied. Different practices, different roles. Are you going to be an aggressive uh, team to, to tend to all the peripheral devices first? Are you going to try and keep every critical service up running while you're treating all these other vulnerabilities? But in the ultimate extension, it's not about a ball in a hoop. It's about defending networks against those who would do them well, uh, ill. And that is something that is up and down every street and in every enterprise in America. So I'd offer, I enjoy watching basketball as much as anyone else does. But I sure see the value in this kind of sport, a cyber sport that creates a, a cadre of young men and young women that are ready to go out and do something that our society very much needs them doing. Yeah, I mean, as I... I challenge any organization out there to say that every single system you have is completely patched with no configuration issues, no flaws, uh, nothing on them. Um, I'll even say that uh, my company, we're a cybersecurity firm. Uh, I'm certain there's a, a flaw somewhere in one of our systems. I'm certain there's a spot that's that's unpatched. Hopefully we have enough layers of things in place that that one issue alone won't cause a problem. But um, I mean, it's, it's yeah, but there's no basketball hoop in our office. Yeah, and, and I can probably take you within two miles of where we're sitting today and find you a 15-year-old who has participated in Cyber Patriot who could help you find some of those vulnerabilities because that's what they're equipped to do. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and we're talking about Cyber Patriot today with uh, Cyber Patriot Commissioner, uh, retired Brigadier General Bernie Scotch. So as you guys have scaled this program from a, a pilot of just a, a – 10 teams or so, I guess, back there in 2009 to 6,000 now. What are some of the challenges the, the program has run into as, as you've increased the scale? Oh, my goodness. And, and you talk about the, the, the disillusionment of, of how scalable systems are and how scalable processes are. Bernie Scotch has lived through this. Yes. And, and the sad fact is there's no reference to go to. We're, we're creating this. We've had a lot of help from people in San Antonio, Texas, frankly. We're a national program that's in every state. But the support we've gotten from San Antonio, and particularly the University of Texas at San Antonio, is remarkable. One of the first lessons we learned is you can't uh, transplant a land-based uh, system to a WAN environment. Uh, this isn't about local air networks anymore. This is a global network that we're having to deal with. So there were some software issues. Uh, UTSA's uh, CIAS, Dr. Greg White and, and, and others uh, came through for us and uh, we have a good relationship with them. So it was a software issue uh, to begin with. The other is, is feeding the beast because you start off, and we did, we started off with nine teams and, and that's a tiny, tiny number, uh, or eight teams rather in 2009. Uh, and when you grow up uh, by several orders of magnitude, you learn very quickly it's the processes that drive you crazy. How do you register those teams? Uh, you, you get to 25,000 kids a year, uh, you've gotta have some mechanism to, to manage that. You've got to have some interface with the coaches. You've got to, to create some real dialogue because you want to constantly improve. There's security implications. Can you imagine the trophy that would be hanging on some hacker's wall? I hacked the National Cybersecurity uh, Competition. Education Program. Yeah. yeah. So we're very sensitive to that. That's one of the challenges. Uh, exposure is another, and it's a good thing, it's a bad thing, because we do attract some bad actors every once in a while, and we've got to have the systems to deal with that. But probably the biggest challenge is feeding it. 
because we cash flow the program. We're a nonprofit entity, the Air Force Association. And as we scale, there are costs that scale up with it because it's, it's not a linear model, but it's, it's something close to it. So we've got to find more sponsors all the time. We've had the, the kindest benefactor in the Northrop Grumman Foundation to fund us, but AT&T and Cisco and others uh, have stepped up the plate. Right here in San Antonio, USAA Foundation is now a sponsor of Cyber Patriot. Uh, it helps us grow the program because our ultimate goal is to attract students uh, of, of all stripes to uh, education and careers in STEM and cybersecurity. Yeah, no, it's uh, wonderful to hear. And you know, as we think about it, we'll uh, talk through this a little bit more after the break. Uh, for those listening to us on 1200 WAI, uh, you're going to get a news, traffic, and weather update here in just a moment. For those uh, listening to the rebroadcast of this uh, on the Internet via iTunes or Pocket Cast or any of your favorite podcasting services out there, thank you for uh, tuning in via podcast. And uh, we will uh, be coming back here in the second half of the program to uh, talk uh, more about uh, some of the history of Cyber Patriot, a little bit about what are the matches and competitions look like, and the, the scaling questions I, I just uh, asked. Uh, Mernie are going to play straight into, uh, yeah, how does every Saturday work for Cyber Patriot these days? Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran, and I'm joined by the Cyber Patriot uh, Commissioner, uh, retired Brigadier General Bernie Scotch, and we're talking all about Cyber Patriot. If this is the first time you've uh, heard about Cyber Patriot, uh, then you've not been listening to this program. We've had on teams. Uh, we've been out at the uh, here in San Antonio. We've got over 300 teams, and every year the uh, the mayor hosts a Cyber Cup luncheon where they uh, award. Uh, scholarships and all sorts of other things uh, to the the kids participating in the sport. Uh, we've been out uh, on location even at that uh, where I had a, a chance to talk with, with Bernie for a few minutes uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it's great to have you uh, back here now with us in the studio for a, a longer interview so I can stand on my soapbox uh, a little bit about just the importance of Cyber Patriot and where it's going. If you're a parent or a school administrator and you want to learn more, uh, check out our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Or if you uh, listen to podcasts, pull up iTunes or Pocket Casts or Stitchers or uh, whichever podcasting service you use. Just put in the word Cyber Patriot and Cyber Talk Radio. Uh, you'll find a whole number of episodes uh, where you can hear from uh, other coaches that have taken teams to nationals. You can hear from students that have participated and what it's been able to do and impact for their life. And uh, as we were talking in the first half of the program, uh, for the athletes competing in Cyber Patriot, uh, this is not just a sport for the boys. This is uh, boys, girls. There's all-girl teams, uh, and they are competing and doing great. Uh, this is one that uh, I think uh, we'll see out over time is that the evolution of where these things are going, and uh, it's not a gender-biased uh, sport by any means, and this is something we need to be uh, encouraging in our schools uh, so that we can uh, get past the days where the, the boys play and the girls stand on the sidelines with pom-poms. Um, yeah, I know you all may throw me off the radio here in Texas. Uh, I played football as a kid. Look, it's, it's a fine sport, uh, but if your school's funding that and if we've got school districts building $70 million football stadiums at the high school level here in Texas – I'm sure they can find a million dollars to invest in a cyber patriot program. And if you did that, you might be one of the top 
programs from an investment perspective. I don't even know. Do you even know of any high school that spent a million dollars on a Cyber Patriot program yet? Uh, unaware of any, Brett, but we'd welcome it. Yeah, so you've got school districts spending $70 million on football stadiums. So they're, they're from a school administration perspective, if you're looking to get kids into college, if you're looking to uh, give kids the chance to compete and participate in team sports, uh, and you can field one football team at a school, uh, how many Cyber Patriot teams can a school field? As many as they can, can stand. Uh, we, we allow one coach to coach up to five teams in a high school or middle school can have as many teams as they want yeah so this is one where if you can uh train and field coaches then you can have as many teams and create opportunities for uh, kids to play at uh, at whatever level they're at right now and you might have a team at your school that's going to be able to uh, go compete at the nationals but you may have uh, another team where this is the the first time uh that folks have participated in a sport uh, this is also maybe the first time where they're uh, really learning uh, much about computers other than how to watch youtube videos yeah, and let's talk about the the, the, the larger implications of that, Brett. If you, I, I think everyone in your audience knows that the largest economy in the world is the United States, and, and we've worked hard as a nation to get there. What many people may not realize is we're one of the most efficient economies in the world, and by that I mean if you look at the gross domestic product that every man and woman in the workforce produces, we're in the top ten consistently in terms of efficiency. So yeah. our workers produce more goods and services per hour than most other nations do. I think you can make a good case that the reason we do that is because we leverage cyber systems. There is no nation in the world uh, that's our size that, that implements cyber systems as much and as pervasively as we do. So you've got to ask the question, what does it take to sustain that? Uh, you've mentioned you're a parent. Uh, you're probably an amateur. My wife and I had six kids. We now have 20 grandkids, and they all come over every Sunday, and we rejoice, and they go home at 930, and we rejoice even more. So I'm around the youth a lot. And they're great consumers of cyber systems, but how many of them want to create? My argument is that if we want to sustain our place as the largest economy in the world and among the most efficient, we've got to develop the cyber workforce. And that's the biggest motivation behind what we're doing with Cyber Patriot. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, this is uh, one of my favorite ones. Uh, so the military is big on tabletop exercises and planning and strategizing. And uh, larger enterprises are doing this now at the cyber level. But even if you own a, a two-employee business, so if it's just you and a business partner or you and, and one employee, Go out to lunch and sit down and have a conversation with each other and ask, what would we do if we didn't have computers inside of our business for a day? And then, you well, it, 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 what would we do if we didn't have computers in an automobile? I mean, the average car today has seven computers in it. Yeah. You can't check into a hotel room without a, a, a key that's driven by a cyber system that feeds the lock code to the room that you're heading to. They're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I mean, literally, that applies to cyber systems. And we need to lead the world as we have, but we need the workforce to be able to feed that. Yeah. Yeah, so you, many businesses will be like, oh, a day we could figure out how to work around it. And then you ask them, well, what if you didn't have computers inside your business for a week? So everything in your business that relies on technology is gone for a week, and, and people's face start to go a little pale. And then if you, you follow up with the, the third question is, how would you work for a month without any computing systems? And we've seen examples of some of the um, large uh, multinational shipping company. Uh, they, they went to all manual processes uh, here for uh, a period of uh, almost 10 days, um, and it was really painful for them. cost them hundreds of millions of dollars to, to fail over back to, to manual manufacturing processes. So, yeah, I mean, this is one where big productivity gains have been brought on for our economy because of technology, uh, and now with more of the economy being online and automated um, and technology integrated, um, the criminals are moving there. 
Well, and it's criminals, it's, it's non-nation state organizations, it's hostile uh, foreign national uh, entities. So it, it, you make an excellent point, Brad, and that's that we've become dependent on these systems, so the loss of those systems has tremendous implications, and there are actively groups and individuals who are trying to deny us those systems, and that's this cadre of young women and young men that we're trying to raise up uh, through the Cyber Patriot Program that can defend our networks against those that would do them ill. Yeah. So as, as we were, were talking before the break, the, the program's a decade old now, and you've gone from uh, less than 10 teams that first pilot year up to 6,000 teams now. And so for the, the competition uh, schedule uh, during the season, uh, every Saturday, if my understanding, the, all the teams compete during the same time window. Well, uh, generally, uh, and the window opens up about 9 o'clock Eastern time on a Friday, and it extends till into the evening on Sunday. So the teams pick a six-hour block on those weekends in which they want to compete. And uh, the, the process starts with an act of courage because it starts with some high school teacher or middle school teacher or, or youth group leader in Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, church youth group, whatever, who says, I will be the coach. And they often do the eight molar suck as they gasp in here and go, ah, I don't know anything about cybersecurity. And that's why we have such a robust uh, mentoring program that we're always looking for more mentors to volunteer. If, if, if those in your audience have experience in cybersecurity or IT systems, we'd welcome to visit our website and volunteer and we'll pair them up with a team in San Antonio and they're needed. But after that starts, uh, they form up a team, the coach volunteers and uh, the school or organization vouches for them. And then uh, we, we go through this vetting process with mentors that we subject them to a background check. And then anywhere from two to six students forms a team. And uh, those students then, under the leadership of the coach and maybe with the help of a technical mentor, go through 10 modules of instruction. And I'm very emphatic that the first module of instruction always starts with something called cyber ethics. One of my worst nightmares is I wake up and read in the newspaper or listen to the radio news broadcast and hear that a cyber patriot competitor has hacked into a computer somewhere. So it starts with, with cyber ethics. We don't want them doing something foolish when they're 15 that will haunt them for the rest of their life. Yeah. And then they go through these other nine modules of instruction where they learn what a network is, what a firewall is, what a router is, what user permissions are. And I should point out we teach only defensive skills. We don't teach hacking. We don't teach offensive skills. We're smart enough to know that if you're a good defender, you're probably going to learn some things that bad guys do. But that's why we, we insist on this ethics component. And then we use something called VMware to create virtual network images. And these are pretend networks. And we inject in those uh, pretend networks some vulnerabilities. And the teams go through some practice rounds, some demonstration rounds, so they can get good. And then in the fall, uh, all the teams, as you mentioned, go through these rounds of competition where they sit as a team and based on what they've learned and what other supplemental information the coach or the mentor may have brought in, they get to work and they decrypt this image and, and all around the world, these 6,000 plus teams are looking at a network and they pretend to be system administrators on this network and then they get to work and they use the training that they've uh, undergone through our program and they find the vulnerabilities and fix them. Now this is where a neat dynamic comes in, Brett, because teams can structure however they wish. 
and they can all be experts in all things or they can specialize in firewalls or specific operating systems. We present them not only with, with Windows platforms, but they work in other uh, operating environments as well. They work in, in Unix a bit, Ubuntu and other varieties of Unix. And then there's a component at the National Finals where one of our sponsors, AT&T, who has a big presence here in, in San Antonio, presents the mobile computing challenge. And then there's a Cisco challenge. So they go through these, 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 these exercises over the weekend. They, they devote six hours to this. They find and fix the vulnerabilities. And then we neck down to the top 28 teams and we fly them all expenses paid to the National Finals which this year will be our last year in Baltimore. Soon we'll be moving to Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah. So uh, for for the schools out there thinking about, well, you know what, this sounds great. Why don't why don't we have one? What does it cost them to set up a team? So they've got to get a, a coach. Um, but what do they need from a school infrastructure perspective or other things from a, a capital? Yeah, and and we have a guiding principle, and I, I reluctantly disclose this, but but it's an important one. Because we know that a lot of schools are on very razor-thin budgets, and we won't allow money to be an issue for a school to participate. Our, our, our funding comes through generous grants and through sponsorships. Uh, but, but as a principal, uh, a, a high school team will pay $205 for the team for the year, and that's a bake sale or a car wash, really. A lot of educators want there to be a fee because they want the students to have some, sex, some, some, some uh, sweat equity in this. Yeah. Uh, at the middle school level, it's $165. Now, I'll tell you right away, we waive fees for all girls' teams uh, because uh, we want to drive that gender representation up, and we're proud that we're not, like most STEM programs, at 12% female, but we're at 27% female. And, and almost 50% uh, diverse ethnic backgrounds. And that's right. And about 45% is, is African-American students and Hispanic students. And so we're, we're proud of those, those numbers. But uh, if it's a junior ROTC unit, they don't pay any fee because the travel expenses for the national finalists are covered by their service headquarters. Same with Civil Air Patrol and U.S. Naval Sea Cadet Corps. So uh, it, it doesn't take a lot. In terms of infrastructure, they need some Internet access. And, and for the geeks among us, Port 80 is the most important one. Uh, but uh, we get a lot of system administrators in school districts that get apoplectic when they say, wait, 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 this is a hacking competition. No, it's not. We're teaching defensive skills. So they need some Internet connectivity. But again, AT&T steps up because we have a limited number of air cards where those are provided at no charge if there's very poor or spotty Internet connectivity. And in terms of the hardware itself, a handful of laptops that uh, most any school will have. And that's what it takes. But you mentioned uh, profoundly the, the big cost, if you want to treat it that way, is having a, someone, an educator, who's willing to stand up and say, I will be the coach. And, and what your audience needs to understand and these educators need to understand, they need not be experts in cybersecurity because we will help them get through the, what training is necessary to compete successfully. Yeah, and if you're out there as a teacher and you, and you, you don't necessarily believe Bernie here, so listen to uh, our, our past. Uh, we had uh, Mike Maldonado on the program who took a, a team to nationals, and when he uh, originally started this uh, journey uh, coaching in Cyber Patriot and even teaching kids Network Plus and, and Linux Plus certifications, he had zero technical background whatsoever. I, I believe he was a math teacher, if I'm not. I think I've got Chris nodding at me over here on the side. I think he was teaching math. It didn't never really did computer stuff. And uh, he through just like all good coaches out there with hopefully in your life, you've had a good coach at some point that instilled uh, the teamwork, collaboration and belief that they could be successful into his teams. 
and then turn the kids loose to learn. You're exactly right. And we're not looking for the coach to be a technical expert. We're looking them to be a, a mentor to these students, to be able to lead them through the process, and we will provide what they need to be successful. And, and Mike was a math teacher. Uh, we've had English teachers bring teams to national finals, and they said, I think I'll try this. And they dialed into our uh, mentor program, and we matched her up with a Cisco employee who volunteered to come and help with the team. And Cisco loves doing this, as do our other sponsors, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, and others. Yeah. So looking at this year's roster of uh, national final participants, so you, we've got some coming from San Antonio. We've got a number from San Diego. Um, California and Texas are both doing uh, real well. Um, so what's the, the, the call out here? Because we'll get this uh, podcast uh, rebroadcast spread out across the Internet uh, for these, these other states and, and areas. Um, who, who really should be doing better that you feel kind of is, is not uh, catching up to us yet? Well, you know, it's funny you mention that. And, and, and you can't help this time of year in March Madness refer to the, the basketball tournaments. And you know what? It's the usual suspects that show up there, too. I mean, it's the Dukes, it's the North Carolinas, it's yeah. the Kentuckys and those kinds of folks. And now watch, by the time this airs, they will have gone their way. But, but the point is there's some places that just get it. Yeah. And we're about something that I would argue is far more important to our nation than basketball. And the question becomes, what San Antonio got? What has Los Angeles got? What has San Diego got that leads them? What does Towson, Maryland have? Because we see a lot of repeat visitors to the national finals. Well, it's not that they're cheating because we're very careful with that and we've got processes in place. No one's doing yeah, anything. You are cybersecurity experts. Well, I, I would like to think that we are. And, 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 and so it's, 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 it's three elements. It's, it's a community that is willing to put the resources into it. It's some educators that are willing to put their effort into it. And then it's this collaboration that comes when all those forces come together. So uh, what do communities need to do? They need to take the bold step like Mike Maldonado do it and like others have and say, yeah, I'll give this a try because I care about my community. I care about the future of these kids. I care about putting them on a career track that's promising and we can make this happen. Yeah. So here's i I'll, I'll make a call out. So you're talking basketball and that whole Carolina area. Uh, I mean, uh, I know, and I've got some Cisco certifications thing in my past, but there's a large uh, population of Cisco employees out there, um, large RTP. facilities oh, yeah, yeah, in that Research Triangle Park. So uh, let's uh, see a team from uh, that North Carolina at the Cyber Patriot National Finals next year. So we'll uh, – what's – I mean, there's nothing – precluding them i'm sure all those there's lots of, of families and homes and areas and schools there where where kids are learning some of these things and i'm sure there's uh, cisco training academies in middle schools and high schools over there uh, but they're not fielding cyber patriot teams that are reaching nationals right now so uh if you're listening out there in north carolina on a podcast uh let's uh, see what you need to do to get yourself uh in there and competing with us from texas and california next year well, and it's becoming an international discussion. I mean, we've got yeah. derivative programs in, in the U.K. We call ourselves Cyber Centurion. In Canada, we call ourselves Cyber Titan. We just stood up in Australia, a program we're calling Cyber Taipan. And in all those cases, those countries are getting the vision. We need to maintain our leadership as a nation, and we need this to permeate every school district in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. So for those uh, international programs, are we going to get to where so we've got a national finals? Or are you building towards somewhere in the future where we'll have a, we'll go to the world? finals 
we expect to have something to announce in the next 90 days. And that's oh. all I can say right now. Okay, that's wonderful. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is exciting. I mean, we have a we have a World Series for Little League Baseball, so there's no reason we can't have a world championship for, for the uh, cybersecurity competitions. I love and, it. Uh, and, again, you're being a seer and revelator because uh, there, there will be something announced in, in the short term. Yeah, so uh, we're working on this for the, the last uh, decade now. So you've been involved since the very beginning, correct? I did. I had an. Un, I have been. I had an unsuccessful run for Congress in my home state of Arkansas, and and uh, the day that ended, I was asked to come do this. I, I sincerely thought they wanted me to come judge a science fair, and here we are today. And I said I'll do it for one year because I commute between Arkansas and D.C. every week. And I said I can't do this more than one year, and that was nine years ago. And I just can't quit because I'm enjoying it and having the time of my life. Yeah. So, uh, what's the the biggest surprise over this the course of this this last decade? What was your your biggest unexpected thing? Is is you've seen this program evolve? The explosive growth and, and the demand. And and again, it's not because we're particularly brilliant or particularly good looking. I think we've just uh, hit on a formula that resonates well with parents, with educators, with students. It's got that element of competition. It's got that element of an assured career track. If someone goes through this program and participates in it, we've got wonderful stories. Uh, and it, it's got the element of, of allowing structure to come into some lives that otherwise might not have that. So you combine all that, we've got the underpinning of some great uh, help from industry and, and some modest help from government. Uh, we've got a parent organization, the Air Force Association, that has 200 chapters around the world. They're very energized about this because it's an opportunity for them to, to make a difference to the nation. So I would say the one thing that has surprised me is the explosive growth and is driven by all those factors, Brett. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a, a parent thinking about this and uh, when working with uh, some of the different school districts and other programs I'm involved in, uh, they're all trying to figure out how to boost uh, their STEM scores for the, the kids in middle school and high school. Um, and I mean, in, as, as we continue to, to evolve through this, I mean, it's really going to get to where we've got reading literacy and those rates are getting uh, really pretty solid right now. The reading grade level stuff. But that high school math level, we're seeing a, a pretty big drop off still in a lot of cases where the kids are not getting all the way through where they needed a math level. And I think if we fast forward out 20 years, they're really going to need to become data literate as well. This is kind of the next level of literacy. And Cyber Patriot, I think, helps with all three of these things because you're out there reading system configurations, you're reading research notes, you're reading uh, configuration guides. You're using math, looking at all of the, the systems and the logs, and you're doing data analysis here to uh, try to go through the packet traces and other things. Uh, it's, so from a, a school administrative perspective, I mean, it seems like I would really want all of my kids at least exposed to Cyber Patriot to give them uh, and interested in it, to give them a reason to pay more attention in math and science classes. Well, I lost objectivity many years ago. Yeah. So I, I wanted any do anything but agree with what you just said but i think if you look at why we want students to be stem literate it's because we want to lead them to stem education and careers and if you look at the national baseline the average high school graduate uh, they go into stem fields stem fields in college and in and, and career technical education at a rate of about 15 percent one five 15 percent Students who participate in Cyber Patriot go into that uh, STEM track at a rate of about 89%. Wow. Yeah. And, and Wait, hold now, on. Slow down and say that one okay. more time real so, slowly for our <laughs> listeners. So the national baseline is 15%, 15, 1, 5. 
Students who go through Cyber Patriot go at a rate of about 89%. Now, we're smart enough to know that correlation isn't causation. Many yeah. of them self-identify in the program. So we measure, well, how much did Cyber Patriot shape your, your track? And 91% tell us that Cyber Patriot either somewhat or significantly shaped their choice. So what we know is they go at a higher, far higher rate than the national average and that they're attributing that to their experience in Cyber Patriot. We don't know what it is. We, we build a, a huge fund component into this. You're uh, the system administrator for a fashion design company. Last year the scenario was you're the system administrator for a, a drone-based pizza delivery company. Things that are relevant to these students. So we think this fun element, we think the prospects that it's got a good career track, we think that's what's driving these numbers. But we're doing exactly what we set out to do, and it's because I think we've hit on a, a successful formula. Yeah. Uh, so as uh, we're going down a little bit of some of the success stories and things, is there any uh, specific uh, one you want to share that's kind of top of mind for you of, of a kid or a team or a school out oh, there? Yeah. And, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, one is the Southwest School District here in, in San Antonio, and uh, we went down, and they had a team, and, and they missed qualifying for the national championships by, by a point. I mean, it, it, was, it was heartbreaking, but you got to draw the line somewhere. So they had a school assembly. They invited me down, and I'm sitting in the audience, and the young man who was the team captain stands up, and he was channeling Bill Gates because he's up on the stage, and, and he's just explaining these, these, these virtual network images and vulnerabilities to the school board and an assembly of students. And then he said, and I don't understand why uh, this isn't recognized as a sport because the basketball players and football players get letters for their jackets uh, for participating. I don't understand why we don't. Well, that school district changed that policy as a result of that speech, and we're proud of it. But That's the, wonderful. But the, but, but the more heart-tugging ones, and, and I don't want to disclose a location, but, but I'll, I'll tell you there was a student who had literally never traveled beyond his neighborhood in his life. I mean, he was born in an urban center. He had never been beyond a freeway. And I mean that. He was born, he grew up. Well, his first day of school, he saw a poster up in the high school that said, be on the Cyber Patriot team. Uh, their, their graduation rate in that urban district, and again, I don't want to reveal too much, was, is very low. It's in, in the low double digits graduation rate. They implemented Cyber Patriot. The students who participate in Cyber Patriot graduate at a rate of 92 percent uh, because they get some discipline, they get some structure. Well, that student who would have fallen by the wayside, I'm convinced, having grown up in that environment, is now a cybersecurity engineer for a major aerospace company. Uh, now, we can't take credit for that. That's anecdotal and who knows what all factors. But if you look at the success that our students have universally, if you look at the rate that they're moving into STEM education and career, we're on to something special. And it's only, it's not us, it's this partnership we formed with industry, with government, with educators, with parents. Thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, I will uh, see you at the uh, Mayor Cyber Cup luncheon here to uh, award some things to uh, the San Antonio Cyber Patriot teams uh, tomorrow. And we're uh, really uh, thankful that you've uh, stuck it out for uh, 10 years instead of just that first year you said you would. Well, you're very kind, Brett. Thank you for having me. And we always love coming to San Antonio.